guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Hey, campers. Haha, just kidding. It's the bitch seats, but this is not Lissa Mandel. No, no, no. Uh, this is producer Kent. I'm the podcast warlord here at Atlantic Transmission. <laughs> and we're doing a, a special, special bitch seat episode today where I'm going to be talking with the hosts of the bitch seat about their big move to the left coast. Uh, I don't have anything to read. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring in our hosts, Lissa and Phil. Hi. Hey. Oh, you guys know better than that. So we see a close-up on the broken lines of a highway as they're speeding by. It cuts to a wide shot of a car driving through the desert. It's about, it's magic hour. And uh, Phil and Lissa aren't talking, but they're smiling, looking westward. Because the sun sets westward, and that's where their dreams are. So without further ado... <laughs> oh. I got all choked up. I know, you're trying to make us cry? Always. Kent, did I ever talk to you about that song? No, but I, I've never talked to you about that song. <gasps> to me, that's that. I think that that should be the real theme for the pitch scene. Wait, wait. Okay, so sweet disposition I, by the temper trap. By the way, for those who don't is. know, I know I you know do. What it is because I wanted that song to be the track that laid underneath the um the the demo the, reel, the, the, reel, the reel, the splash reel. I just I have a thing about that song. Ah, uh, what? Why what, didn't you use it? Um, because uh, a demo reel has other needs. It has <laughs> okay. other needs. Um, well, but that's okay. Why, why did you like that song? Well, I think it's got a cool sound, but I mean, I think that that song is perfect for this for this show because uh, Sweet Disposition, Never Too Soon, Oh Reckless Abandon, Like No One Watching You. The chorus is a moment, a love, a dream, a laugh, a kiss, a cry, our rights, our wrongs. Uh, and then it repeats. Uh, and, it's, and so it just seems like like a great summation of just what people bring here and things like that. And sweet disposition, disposing of something, you're not really disposing of it, but you kind of are. And it's in a sweet way. So I thought it was a nice encapsulation of this whole uh, mood for everything. Uh, Kent, you're perfect. Yay. You guys are pretty perfect too. And this is more about you. So let's get to it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So you guys are, are, of course, for anybody who listens to the show and anybody who's friends with you guys, you got, uh, we all know that you're taking the trip out to the left coast. Mm-hmm. Go westward, young man and young woman. Thanks. Thank uh, you. Yeah. And so uh, what? how long had you been thinking? Of course, you've been thinking about this for years, of course, going to L.A. But like, you know, take us through the process of like what the mindset was. Both of you were going to go out there. What was the spark that made you guys go out there? You know? Well, when we started dating, she wanted to go out to L.A. And I was, was it that long ago? It was. You've always been complaining about wanting to go to L.A. Well, that's not fair. It's but it's pre, it's plenty fair. I mean, that's you've always wanted. That's always something that's. But been it's in the not back always. It's been always maybe for a lot of the time that I've known you. But I mean, it's a pretty recent thing in the life of Lisa Mandel. I probably well. Then I guess I met you when you were tired of New York. I think it was at the beginning of our relationship. We. Um, we took, so I, I'm, uh, work for the actor's green room. Uh, and, uh, but this was before that there was, uh, they have this program called LA Explore where they would take a group of people out there and they would sort of introduce you to the waters of acting in Los Angeles, uh, in the comfortable womb of, of the actor's green room. 
um, from New York, which is a, a networking company in New York. And I decided I wanted to go and do this. And it was, I'd only been to LA one time before that. And uh, when I was 24 or 25, I really hadn't had a great experience, but had a great experience going out to LA. I hadn't, no, I really didn't like it the first time I was there. Okay. I, I, saw, I saw San Francisco in that trip too. And I really liked that, but I really, I wasn't ready for LA at 25, but this was, we were like 29. What was so. it that you saw that you didn't like? Do you remember? Um, I didn't see a lot of the city. And also I, I, I you know, I saw the city for like 12 hours and my right. friend who I was visiting there, uh, hated it. And so we got her point of view mm. and then we drove up the coast to San Francisco where she's from and that's where she, she loves it. So, but I was such an, I was still a New Yorker very much cause I was a New Yorker my whole life, you mm. know, and uh, you know, people living anywhere else have to be in some sense kidding uh, <clears throat> according to John Updike. But um, when Phil and I both decided to go on this LA explore trip, um, it was the first time I, I saw it with fresh eyes and I saw it from the point of view of somebody who had kind of been in the entertainment industry for a while and, and knew how to meet casting directors and knew what my type was and was a little bit better prepared. And I don't know, I just had this feeling in my chest, like, this is nice. I could do this. And then I think it was that trip that caused me to want to do the bitch seat out there for the first time. And uh, Phil was luckily game. Phil, is is game for for a lot of things, which is why you're the best. Um, she, go ahead, go ahead. When I when we went, I went to L, LA Explorer, um, basically convinced to go by uh, the person who runs the who runs the the, the AGR. You decided of your own volition. Don't blame it on somebody else. Fine. I went and I wasn't very thrilled because I it was a new terrain for me and I only had five days and I don't know how to conduct myself in a room full of needy actors because mm -hmm. I myself am also a needy actor. So I don't feel a sense of community with them. I feel a sense of adversary, uh, adversariness, adversity. I feel a sense. I don't agree with them because we want, we want the same thing, but sure. I want my thing. But you, it's not like you had been not in a, a performing arts atmosphere here. Yeah. Of course it's different. It is a little different, but I mean, it, it, you know, there's still performers here and actors here is it because the, the, maybe the stakes are a little bit lower. Stakes you guys are aren't like going for gigs per se. You guys yeah, are just also, having fun performing. It was stakes were higher because I was watching them and they knew their type and I was jealous and I, I didn't really understand my type okay. and I did not have a very decent or very strong sense of, uh, self or branding at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't quite enjoy it, but I did, really love Burbank because to me in certain places, it looked like uh, New Jersey, but like genetically perfect. And with the bat symbol of like the Warner brothers studio right in the middle of it, mm -hmm. it was very exciting. Um, I, I didn't really, I mean, beyond that, I liked, I liked all the stuff around it, but I was, it was my first experience and I got a lot of, grief from my sister because my father financed it for me because I did not have a lot of, I didn't have a, have a good job at the time. So I couldn't really pay from pay my own way. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, but it was worth it because I got to see what was out there. And I think that's when the plant for me uh, was like, it, it began to sprout. The seeds were, you know, planted and my affection for it started to, grow but it was it was definitely an opposite attracts uh, romantic comedy yeah, i i think that uh, the whole experience of it because now we've gone out there seven or eight times since and we've done the bitch seat several times uh you know in the theater behind meltdown comics and have really gotten to know the city more on our own terms and um it's a weird feeling of because i think we both have this in a way of feeling like we're betraying our roots because. I don't really think I'm betraying my roots. I just think I'm doing it. I don't like, I don't know. You, you think you are. Do you think you are? Well, I mean, I did, but I've, I've overcome that. I think I've worked through it, but um, sorry, I won't speak on behalf of both of us anymore. Good. <laughs> um, I, def I definitely had a sense of New York is my spouse and going to LA is like sleeping around with a mistress because every time I go out there, I have this, this 
feeling like my whole chest is opening up. And I know it's part the vitamin D explosion, you know, the serotonin rush of, of seeing all this natural beauty, which I take for granted, you know, in New York, it's like I get a droplet of sunshine a day Mm -hmm. um, because the building, even on a beautiful sunny day, the buildings are blocking it. And in LA, it's like being in a whole bath of it. And um, in spite of myself, in spite of my logical, practical brain saying, uh, yeah, but this is vacation. Like this isn't real life. And all of your connections are in New York and your entire network of friends and family and, and professional, everything is in New York and you'd have to start over. And all of these things pale in comparison to the feeling of, just sheer euphoria that I have when I'm out there. So what other time am I going to follow that? I have to do it now. So, so that's what we're getting to. So you guys both went out on this trip together and that's what made you sort of realize like, okay, I like LA. This is a thing I can do. But then it seems like it's sort of taken a little bit of time before you, you guys are like, let's actually do it. Yeah. Let's pull the trigger. So what was the, what was the powder keg moment that you guys were like, okay, it's going to be now. Uh, well, before that, there were a lot of oh. false starts with her threatening to just move there without me. <laughs> yeah, but I couldn't. Be- I couldn't. I couldn't do it without Phil. And mm-hmm. so, uh, because I almost went, like, there was a point where I was so close to moving that I almost got rid of my apartment, and at the last minute, I didn't. And that was, like, a February two years ago, and then I was going to go in October of this year, um, and Phil was going to follow me in January because he felt like that was a time that he would be ready. But then July 24th, 2016, we went on our epic mushroom trip. Um, it was when I was coming down from that trip that I realized I couldn't go without him, um, that we had to go together. Yeah. Um, I, for me, what the, finally the deciding moment was, I think after 2014 going into 2015, I'd done a number of shows and I was pretty exhausted and I was starting to see the, that like, not that I wasn't welcome, but that there's always a revolving door of people that come in and have their time to do their shows and have their spotlight. And that I was, I'd done everything that I wanted to do and I was kind of bored and I wanted to miss New York because I've, I, I've always been here. I've always been in New Jersey and I love my friends. And I love my family, but when am I going to go on an adventure like this ever without a child? When am I going to drive across the country without having to worry about when they have to pee. Usually only I have to pee. And that's and I have to pee all the time. And you have jars for that. I have jars for that. I have cut open bottles. And then, you know, <laughs> it, you, seriously, you take a 64-ounce bottle, cut off the lid, and just pee. Just pee. Um, it's fine. It's a trucker's friend. Uh, cab, <laughs> cab driver's friend, too. Seriously. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but also, like, when I, I started working this beer job in 2015, and it's very like high stress job, like the meetings, the staff meetings are very high stress. And all I would do is just fantasize about not being here because I felt like the only way I could leave this job is if I left the coast because I, I just started to see, I just like worked in like the ugly portion of between Brooklyn and Queens. Yeah. And I'd work in Fort Greene and I'd see all these people that like they had their time. Now they settled down and own a bar. And like now I'm just catering to them. And I feel like every job I've had has always been making someone else uh, happy. I mean, that's everybody's job, mm-hmm. whatever. No, but, but that's exactly the point. I mean, I feel like that's a point that I hit many times over. Like I hit that point when I was, uh, I was working at an off-Broadway theater company when I first moved to the city and I was doing marketing for them. And um, <clears throat> I put so many hours uh, and so much like detail and thought into uh, e-blasts for them and, and posters that I designed and programs. And ultimately it was like, why don't I put this kind of effort and energy and love and detail into my own dream? You know, and and so I know. I know what you're talking about, and I think Um, that that is completely okay. It's okay to be selfish in that way. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I for me, it was a lot of resentment at her just wanting to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, still, it's kind of there. I still when when things aren't going so well, I always blame her. That I have to go, that she's making me leave. But really, I'm, well, I'm doing it on I mean, I'm letting volition. you know, I'm, that's not going to fly. I know that. That's not going to fly. That's why we're addressing this in a public forum. 
because I don't, I want to, I want to talk about that, but also, uh, I don't want to resent you. I want to, I had to, I think the last month or two, I've really had to reckon with myself why I'm, why I am going and why I want to go and not why I need to go. Um, because I think my mantra for a while was, I need to go. I need to go. I need to see what's out there. I need to see what's out there. But it was never, I want to go. And is it that yet it or no? It is that now. And it took me, it took me like the end of this semester from <laughs> September to December to really decide that and be okay with wanting something so directly because I don't think I've, I think that's always been a difficulty of mine. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, as a middle child in your house where everybody has extremely strong opinions, you were always the peacekeeper. And so, uh, and so you were, you've always been agreeable and for the most part, like, okay with backing down so that other louder people could have what they wanted, but like, you're allowed to have what you want too. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard because the show, you know, the bitch seat, even though I created it, I really think that it is just as much yours as it is mine. And it's difficult to be in a romantic relationship and a creative partner with somebody simultaneously, you know? Yeah. Because I don't want to leave you behind. And I also want what's best for the show. Um, I don't know. I hope you don't resent me when I you get out there and it's hard. I'm just it's fighting. Be hard. I know. I'm just fighting for my own autonomy. That's all. I feel like that's all I've ever done. You don't have to. You don't have to fight me for it. I give it to dated, you. I know that. And I appreciate that. But before we dated, that's all I've ever done, and I continue to do. I just is what fight for your autonomy. Yeah, I just feel like there's a boot on the back of my neck. But you put it there. Yeah. Do you true. understand? That's where it went. <laughs> I was trying I'm, to complete like, this care for a while. I'm serious. I don't want you to look at me as the bad guy forcing think, you to do anything. I don't think that you are. And I don't, that's not true. I think you exposed me to LA, which I otherwise wouldn't have gone. Yeah. Well, I have, a, I have a way of planting seeds of cities in people's brains because I exposed Kate to New York city. Uh, my, my friend Kate, who lives in England now, um, she grew up in Indiana. We went to school together in Chicago and uh, the first I think the first spring break, like freshman year spring break, she came home with me to Connecticut and I took her to New York for the first time. And that's where she got bit by the New York bug and moved here directly after college, just like I did. And now I've done the same for you with L.A. Yeah. I mean, it was really nice last time when I got to go and, and rent a car. I thought I was going to get a little tiny shitbox, but they gave me this really nice Camry. A really nice Camry, guys. Oh, man. Shoot for the stars, guys. 2016 Toyota Camry. Uh, it was actually really nice. I've never driven a Camry before. Um, and I got to listen to, like, the L.A. Uh, radio, and I was driving by myself, and it just felt nice to, one, earn that money that I could go drive out there and, um, and rent a car. But just, it was good to be back. It was nice to be You were there. owning it for yourself. Yeah, and I don't, but the thing is, I'm never conscious of ownership. I'm never conscious of when I own things and when people tell me to own things. Like, I'm like a host. I don't know what that means. It doesn't look like anything to me. I don't know what that means. This to is do. a Westworld reference for those of you who don't know. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, what the fuck are you doing? Get in on the conversation. I don't care if you hate it. Just watch the goddamn show. Wow, very angry. So, so uh, angry. I'm just insistent. <laughs> so, you, uh, I mean, you've gone out there, been able to, drive the sunny streets of, of LA and all that. But you know, you both realize, and you said it before intellectually, I think you understand that every time you've gone out there, you've put on shows. Sure. But there's been little obligation. It's been pretty much low stakes, more or less, yeah. you know, a kind of vacation, you know? Yeah. And there's that, you know, there's that, uh, sort of saying that, you know, when someone like goes on vacation to Hawaii, Oh, I could live in Hawaii, you know, yeah. or I could, I could live in Montreal or something yeah. like that. But then when you actually get there, you know, it's kind of a, an entirely different thing. Has that sort of, uh, uh, what, oh, yeah. how has that crossed your mind and how have you guys been processing that? Like, Well, I mean, I know, and I've been aware of that and I feel like every time I've gone out, I've been more and more ready to take that on. And the last trip I had, it wasn't just 
I mean, the last trip that we had, I was like, I, I'm, I can be here now on the reg. Like I'm ready to go grocery shopping here. Um, I'm ready to pay my con ed bill here. I'm ready to sit in traffic. I'm ready to, you know, get lost. Um, is con ed? No. In, in, thank God. Oh, thank God. Oh, I'm sorry. Con ed. Oh no, it's time Warner. That's called spectrum now. It's called. Yeah. yeah. Don't call us time Warner. Putting lipstick on a pig. We see you. Yeah. We see you. <laughs> time giant, Warner. fat antibiotic fed pig. Anyway. Well, they'll never be our sponsors. Nope. So, um, Fuck you, Time Warner. <laughs> hey, this is a very curse-heavy show. I'm very sorry. No, but it's This okay. is an honest show. Yes. And it's the, yeah, I got to accept it. Smart people curse. Scientists true. say it. It's scientists smart, say. Smart studies people, say. Yeah. Studies say scientists curse. Um, I'm sorry, but, Ken. No, um, that's okay. And it's, terrifi- it's been terrifying. It's been truly terrifying. But um, my, my day job where I work here at a small production company, it's just doing some basic admin, office managing work. Uh, it's a... It's a lovely company uh, called We Beastie, and they make promercials, live action promercials for TV networks. And uh, I love the people that I work with. I kind of fell into the job from a friend. I thought it was going to be part time just for a couple of months. I was totally upfront that I was moving to L.A. Uh, This company, though, uh, half of it exists in L.A. The two owners live in New York and L.A. respectively. And a couple of weeks ago, they offered me a job out there. So when that fell into place, I knew that. First of all, the universe is saying, okay, like the path is open now. The path is open. Balls in your court. Balls in my court. And it you made just me feel. it across the country. Yeah, but that's the most fun part. Yeah, it is. Um, that regardless of, that at least one of us has a job that we know we're going to. And um, I have a little bit of savings uh, that my, my grandmother left me. Um, which is interesting because, you know, the first time that we did the bitch seat in L.A., um, it was the day before we left for that trip. My grandmother passed away and I knew I was going to have to miss her funeral. And I asked my parents about it. Should I cancel this trip? Should I stay for the funeral? And they both said vehemently, no, she would have wanted you to go. She would. So in a way, I kind of feel like she's she's helping us out. I met yes. your grandmother maybe once or twice, but the things that she left you and her attitudes that I mean, I, I, she was very she was very uh, old when I met her. I didn't really get the chance to like really, I guess, see her. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, she was a super independent. She was a yeah. pants wearing woman in the thirties. So I, I feel like that spirit is guiding you out to LA. Yeah. Which yeah. is really cool. And for you, Phil, I mean, you just kind of extolled about how, you know, you don't like working for the man here. I'm going to have to work for the man there. You're going to have to work for the man there. I know that. And how do you, how do you, you know, feel about that? Um, I don't know. This was a rough year. This was this year, like I thought I started this year thinking I was made of gold because I, I booked what I thought was an HBO pilot. Right. Um, like third lead, cool character. I had to sign an NDA. Oh, well. But, you know, the project was run by morons and it fell apart quickly. Mm-hmm. Like the shooting, the first shooting day was. They're ready for Hollywood. Yeah. What morons? Name names. No, don't. Please don't. <laughs> please do not. Well, the first shooting day was supposed to be April 1st. Um, I mean, and it kept getting, day. Exactly. Uh, it kept getting put off and, and put off. And, put and off. that whole time I'm just fantasizing. And then the other thing, I, I was attached to another show and I was fantasizing about that and it didn't quite work out because, you know, again, I've, I, I feel like I experienced Hollywood before I got there because one project didn't get developed. One project was sort of taken from me and co-opted for another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other, the only thing that I, I had a sense of pride in are the things that I worked on a hundred percent. Even then, I mean, they were, they are things that I'm still to this day proud of, like my the Welcome to Hell web series. That was eventually the only way that that happened was just sheer tyranny of will, as Norm MacDonald likes to put it, uh, to just shut up and do it and really trust my friends that they could help me. Because I, I, came, I came to it with, with my buddies like, listen, I'm leaving. If we don't shoot anything, we're not shooting anything. And then that's it, you know. And then two days later, they all came to me with like four scripts each. See, the and magic so, of deadlines. And so I was That's like, true. That's uh, absolutely true. Now I got to write my episodes. Yeah, but give so, yourself a deadline. <laughs> and then I did. And, but we did it. And that was, I mean, there's working for the man, sure. But there's following through and not depending on other people that I very much value. And this year taught me a lot about that because I, I gained and lost so many things this year. Uh, and I... I feel like that was a primer for LA, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's going to happen like 20 more times. So 
At uh, least. To that end, oh, at least. To that end, I'm, I don't know that I'm ready, but I know what to expect. So, Lissa, when you think about going out there, this is a little bit of uh, titillation for the listeners, I suppose. What is your worst case scenario? What is your nightmare <laughs> scenario of going out there? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure your mind must wander to the best, to, to, to the extremes, you of know? Of course it does. Of like, what is, the, what is the dream? But let's start off with, uh, what, what do you, when you go out there, what, what are you most afraid of happening? Um, I am most afraid of the loneliness uh, and isolation that I know I'm walking into. I mean, I know, I know I'm going to be crying a lot in the first few weeks or months because I thrive and I thrive in places where there are other human beings and for better or worse, I'm forced into those places every day here in New York, whether I want to or not just getting from point A to point B tons of humanity. And as much as New Yorkers love to bitch and moan about it, it's being around all those other humans that keeps me grounded. So um, I fear being out there for several weeks and the thrill of it has worn off and I just wake up every morning and can't get out of bed because it's going to be such a long distance between me and other human beings and, and I haven't made enough friends yet and uh, I don't have an agent and I still don't have a SAG card. So I'm literally just living. Basically my worst fear is returning to the suburbs from whence I came and having the same experience that I had the last time I lived in the suburbs, mm-hmm. which was just devastating loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going from that one loneliness and perhaps, you know, cause that's kind of, that's, that's kind of a, a very existential answer, you know, of, of, you know, citing the separation, yeah. you know, and, and dread of, uh, of not having that human connection. Cause I, I you know, I, I guess I was expecting what you kind of got to a little bit of just like the professional things of like, Oh, just things aren't going to work out and stuff like that. But, uh, the loneliness that's, uh, that's how have you been able to deal with that or temper that? Um, I mean, I do have a few friends out there and I do plan on leaning on them. And I think that my number one plan, um, is to enroll in uh, a level one at UCB immediately. Not because I feel like I need to learn how to improvise because I already know how to improvise um, and I've done all that here, but uh, I need that community. And I know that signing up for an improv class, it's like Insta community, you know? Um, in fact, I was thinking of, of gifting Phil his first improv class out there too. Oh, but it's Boy. not Christmas yet. Why would you tell me? Oh, thank you. Um, and what's yours, Phil? His worst big, case scenario? Yeah, My worst the, case scenario. The, the, arguably the biggest dreadhead at the table. <laughs> am I really? You are today. I, arguably. I am today. Well, no, yeah, that's true. I am. I am. So, so uh, you know, as a guy who, who, granted, you know, goes through kind of bad scenarios through in his head a lot of the time, like what, what, has, what has been going through your head as the nightmare worst case scenario out there? All my parents die. All of them, all All two of them, all the ones that I don't know of and the ones I know of, uh, my friends all have their go through terrible things. I worry about while I'm training with Yoda, my friends are getting trapped by Darth Vader over here. Mm -hmm. Um, Phil and I both suffer from FOMO, like in a major way, but it's, it's, it's not FOMO of like good stuff's happening. It's like, I can't help anyone. That's what I'm scared of. Um, there's that. There's like, I want to, I feel like I need to be sad. Someone needs to put a bag over my head (laughs) and like, take me to a dark room, sit me down and be like, who are you? What are you doing right now? What are you? What do you want? Like, I need someone to do that because I need, my fear is that like, I'm going to be at a party or I'm going to be at a place where I can meet someone and I don't know how to explain Philip Casale to them. And I still don't. And that's what I'm afraid of because, I, but, but at my most comfortable times when I'm not dreading out, uh, I can do that, but I, I'm afraid that I, it will not be as ready for me as I would hope. So that's interesting that that's how you look at parties as like, I'm sitting on the corner being a wallflower and I'm going to talk to somebody. I need to explain Philip Casal because well, you're a, you're a, you're a, just an affable guy. But you I know? get tripped up sometimes. You get tripped up, but, but that's all right. Yeah, you don't need to explain yourself. You just need to 
you need to get past that. Like it's the, the thought of needing to explain yourself is what you need to like, you need to take that cartridge out and throw in the garbage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't need to explain yourself. Like not every conversation you have is an elevator pitch for Phil. Casale. I know that, but it's for me because I feel like if I don't do that, I'm going to get lazy and I'm going to buy a lot of weed and I'm going to drive around and smoke and, I know, uh, and I think, I'm going to not do anything. Like I don't want to do that. I know. I think we're both afraid of, um, of, of LA really being la la land for us. And I, I mean, I think we're both afraid of, getting lost in the clouds of, of yeah. nice things and, like, and our yeah. feet floating like off the, the ground. The field of poppies in the Wizard of Oz. That's what I'm afraid of. Right, but Phil. You're going to do heroin? <laughs> opium, oh, no! opium, opium, opium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, but Phil, this is why we're doing this together. I know. Because we both have the same problems, I think, of, uh, of getting lost in our feelings and being led by our feelings. And we need to take turns being the one keeping watch and yeah. dragging the other person down to the ground, down to the ground and be like, okay, now we're going to sit down. We're going to go on actors access for an hour. We're going to update our websites. We're not going to leave this chair until we do X, Y, and Z. And we're going to give ourselves office hours and keep each other accountable. Yeah. I think that would be a good thing for both of you guys, giving each other deadlines. And here's the thing I'll say about explaining Phil Casale. It reminds me of, you guys know Chuck Klosterman, the author? Yeah. yeah. So in one of his book of collected essays, he was talking about this one time he was out in L.A. He was like sitting outside at a, at a cafe and um, he was being waited on by a server. And he was obviously a very good looking young man, someone who is, you know, uh, an actor, an aspiring actor. And so he's the, the service says, how are you doing? And Chuck says, oh, I'm fine. How are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing good. You know, I just wrote this script for this and that, you know, I'm hoping to get it picked up. You know, I'm doing this production work and I'm doing some PA stuff over here and that, you know, and he goes off on this like 90 second long tangent on like what he's working on and what he's doing, probably assuming like maybe this guy's a producer. And Chuck was just like, that's great. That's fantastic. This is a Diet Coke, by the way. <laughs> So, like, just understand, like, you don't need to present. I, I mean, know. I, I know intellectually you understand that yeah. and you get that. I, it's just when I go to the party and I see it's the empty host person who's like, oh, so what are you doing? I I see that as my elevator pitch moment. I don't see that. I don't see me walking down the street talking to people as my elevator pitch moment. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I want to be ready for that time because I know at that time I'm not going to be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm coming into this with. with I, I say a limited knowledge of the industry, but it's just because I. You don't. You know, I, I know so much lot. more than you think you do. And at New Yorkers going to Los Angeles are armed with so much knowledge and yes. so much street smarts and so much training. And um, and we're, I think that New York performers are a prized commodity in Los Angeles yeah. because we didn't just float in from Kansas. Not that there's anything wrong with Kansas, but we didn't just float in from the cornfield somewhere with, with nothing but a dream. You know, yeah. we, we've put in work and you have to recognize that work is worth something. Yeah. I think it's the, it's it's the idea that like it, you, you look around you, you know, you go to a very fancy restaurant and you kind of look around for the social cues. Like, am I acting all right? Am I yeah. doing this all right? When really, it's not there. It's just a matter of you understanding and having the confidence of like, no, 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 no. I belong here. I'm not like a fraud, you know? Yeah. And like yes. everyone was a fraud at one point and then just faked it till they made it. Exactly. And it's the, it's the understanding like, yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve of how shit's going to work out there, but that's all it is. And don't, I think you just have to understand like, listen, every, you, you deserve everything that you want when you're out yeah. there, you know, and you can get all that stuff and don't think like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fraud here. And everyone, everyone's in on something yeah. that I don't know about. And that's bullshit. That know? was actually one of the first moments I realized, uh, everyone's a fraud. It's my first time when we were in LA, we were doing LAX and they brought in this quote unquote producer and this other quote unquote producer And they were pitching this movie that was, well, first of all, one picture looked like he could create a human centipede full sequence. (laughs) The other picture looked like the red woman from Game of Thrones. So two of them together were pitching us, uh, you know, something of the living dead. And it was clearly uh, a property that was sold. It's like fool's gold Mm -hmm. because I knew that the living dead moniker as opposed to of the dead is fool's gold because John Russo sold his rights. Like Stanley sold all the movie rights to all the comic book characters ever in the seventies. Uh, 
And so they're pitching us on this thing that's like just not going to happen. And I knew it. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my head, I like I can't stop writing notes and passing them to Lissa because I know that they're full of shit. And I kn- and I knew that, but I just but I know that they got to where they got just selling snake oil. Yeah, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I really I don't think that you have to sell snake oil to survive in L.A. Oh, I'm ready to sell snake oil. It's okay. <laughs> I know you are. Okay. And you're going to be better at that than I am. But I think that our most prized commodity going to L.A. is our authenticity. Fair enough. You're right. Okay. There are tons of people selling snake oil there. Do you know what there's not tons of? Authentic humans with real grit. Yeah. And there's a lot of that here. But there's a lot of people willing to exploit that until they're done with that and they want something else you just have to be willing to play the game but it doesn't mean you have to compromise your value i i i mean maybe i'm dumb maybe i'm being naive you know maybe i'll get out there after two months i'm like this is a this is a bunch of hooey hooey i think the thing is is that there's no answer to that you're going to find 20 people who are going to tell you yeah you're being naive you're going to find another 20 people that are saying no you're being true and real yeah. and this is going to work out so there's no right answer to exactly that answer. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have to get used to with the feeling of being aliens for a little while because we're both so comfortable in new york because we know how it runs we know how it works we, we got it efficiently you know how to drive here you know we know how to talk to baristas here like there's a very we speak the language of new york but we don't speak the language of L.A., so we're going to be kind of wandering around blindly for a little bit. But That's fine. I'm, I'm embracing that, man. I'm embracing enjoying the little daily things that I totally take for granted anywhere else. Yep. You know? Well, it's like when, I, when getting going up in the improv community here, the last eight years I've always been like, if I could start again with the knowledge that I have, I would do this, 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 and this. Oh, of course. Of course, everybody does that. Yeah, but what, now, if you could, what if you could fuck for the first time again? You know, like... Wouldn't that be great? No, it would last 10 seconds just like it did the last time. <laughs> like the first time. But it would be the best 10 seconds ever. <laughs> would it? Would it? I don't uh, know. Because I feel like if it was like the first time, there would still be the Catholic guilt. Because you got to have that reserve filled up again. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the point is. The point is, going to the West Coast, I can do that. I can you can start, start fresh. Like there's all the experience. Yeah, exactly. So it's scary to start fresh, but it's also super exciting. So going off of that sort of ambition, let's go to the positive side of this. What's your biggest dream that you go out there? Like you must have had the, 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 not delusions of grandeur, but just like, like, okay, this is going to work and this is going to work. Where do I even start? What is, uh, you're the best one to tell us that. Um, What is the, what is the, what is like the golden dream of going out there? So the golden dream looks like we get a beautiful, a spacious light filled sanctuary of an apartment in Los Feliz, right near Griffith Park and like singing AirPods. They sing- like they they sit by the window and like their their tendrils. Oh yes, like it's filled dance. with plants and they're they're dancing and and singing and and welcoming us like, and uh, uh, like the the music in a uh, in in Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. like when the wall breaks. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh and uh I uh, a network that that shan't be named but that has shown interest uh picks up the bitch seat um for a season on national network television. Um, and it does smashingly well. And, uh, and, uh, then I am offered a role on uh, a single cam sitcom that is actually written very well, not a trash sitcom that I get offered a, a series regular role on a single cam sitcom. Um, and, and, uh, I never have to worry about money again. <laughs> Based off that one part and, and selling the IP of your yeah. I mean, look idea. at, listen, the Broad City girls are set, you know, they are set for a while. A while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, and then I have the opportunity and the funds to um, travel whenever I feel like it. I think that's ultimately the dream that I had from the beginning of this. And it's, it's still alive is that I want to be, I want to live a bi-coastal lifestyle when I can come and go between New York and LA as I please. So you want the you want to get to that sort of financial security seat that you can travel between New York and L.A. Yes. as much as you can. Exactly. I see. Yes. That's a pretty I think that's that's reasonable. Oh, I don't know about reasonable, but it's kind of short term. You know, that's what maybe five, ten years. Yeah, I don't know who I'm going to be after that, Kent. No, you don't. You <laughs> I don't, don't know who I'm, I don't know who I'm going to who I'm going to know. I don't know who I'm going to be friends with. Like I, when I think of who I was uh, when I was. 27 as opposed to now when mm-hmm. I'm 34, I'm a completely different person. So who the hell knows what's going to be in 10 years? 
So yeah. Okay. Short term. Sure. That's, 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 Hey, there were no parameters on this. I'm just saying what I'm, what I'm surprised at hearing yeah. What about you. What's your sort of, you know, big dream. Like how, how do you think, you know, this is what, what's the best possible scenario for you when you go out there? Uh, best possible scenario. Uh, the, we, we follow the same narrative of the bitch seat uh, to, to where we're, we would like to go. But through that, maybe I get some, I get smaller character work here and there. Uh, cause there's a little less pressure on me. I can, I can work in a bunch of little different things. I just want to build up a body of work of being a reliable, dependable character actor who creates his own content. And I want to use that to open my own production company. I call my friends from home and I, who are all professors and I give them jobs as writers. Give or, us an analog of like whose character actor career you think you'd like, or like, you know. Character actor career. Well, I mean, I've always, my dream always, always been Bruce Campbell. I want to be, if Bruce Campbell were a little bit more. He's like a leading man character. He's a leading man, but his later career is great because now when he was coming up as a leading man, when a leading man was very binary type, Mm -hmm. I feel like in the last 10 ish years, leading man's a little bit broader. You can be many different types of a leading man. Um, You can, kind of be an asshole, but you could also be a vulnerable leading man. I feel like the, our generation has yet to explore how to actually be an alpha uh, in the present times without just shutting off all sorts modes of vulnerability mm-hmm. and all modes of feeling your emotions. Sure. Like I feel like a lot of guys my age who get shows, they just turn themselves into this hipster sort of disaffected character that doesn't really, that only feels things as a plot development and doesn't really feel things. So I I would want to explore things of that nature. I would want to, um, I mean, my goal is to just have a longstanding body of work, create my own stuff, have my own production company, make my own movies, be my own boss. That's the end goal. That's what my grandfather was. That's what my father is. That's what I want to be. I don't want to work for any fucking jerk off in a suit. You can start a production company anytime. Anytime. Well, I can. Who's to say I'm not going to do it when I get there? I mean, I could do it. I could have done it a while ago. But I want to work within things and see how they work first and see how not to do things. I've been learning this whole time about that. I, st- I tried to do it in college. It just didn't work out because, you know, it's college. Everybody's going off in different directions, and it's it's hard to have a singular vision. Um, so, yeah, I, that's my end game. And I really would like to be best supporting actor. I don't know. I don't need, I don't need to be best actor. I don't need best actor. Uh, really best, shooting best, for second best, place. There. I know it's so funny. Oh, that's not. That's not fair to say. No, <laughs> that's kind of mean. Intercontinental champion is way cooler than well, world champion. I will say that hmm, when you think about a character actor who has worked really, really, really hard to get where he is now, Brian Cranston comes to mind because he was in the trenches of Hollywood for decades taking bit parts and doing commercial work and supporting himself yeah. as an actor, but nobody knew who he was, you know? Well, yeah. And, and now he's... In now Why he's... Him. Exactly. What? Now he's in Why Him. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That's his it's movie a... that's out now. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know about it. It's like this, you know, one of those inoffensive holiday movies. With ha- have you ever Franco. thought... Have you ever thought... I want to see Look Who's Coming to Dinner, but I don't like the black guy, so I want everyone to be white. Oh, no. Is that what that... Oh, kind come of. on. Is Brian Cranston did not... He's the dad in that. Yeah, and, but he uh, didn't, like, write and produce that. No, 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 no. I'm saying, like, you know, he had his Breaking Bad I know, I'm kidding. Time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, <laughs> yes. But oh, no. I just... Yes. I want to support myself. I've always only wanted that. I mean, my fucking idol's Bruce Campbell, and that's all he's done... He never really starred in a big budget action movie. He starred in something he made with his friends in college that is still paying him dividends because he's still doing it while doing all these other things. Like that's, it's a messy career and it's a long career and it may as well put your kids through college with it. Sure. Sure. And I, so I that's think... my best case scenario. All right. So why? <laughs> what, what, wait, wait, wait. What? You said sure. I know you don't want to depend on anybody else. And I think that ultimately that is a completely reasonable scenario for you. And I think you absolutely could have your own production company and could put out really original, interesting cult following type of work. But until that point, I know it's going to be hard for us both, 
to suck it up and and hustle for commercials sure. and do other people's of co- stuff. Of course, you know? I know that. Listen, we're talking positive scenario. I didn't shit on yours. No, I don't think she. I don't think I she was shitting on. She was just bringing up a bringing up a, a, a fair point. That's, that's a fair point. So, um, so you guys have have brought up and mentioned, uh, you know, the, a little bit of the sadness that it is, you know, leaving this place because you guys have been, you know, within this tri-state area within the within this East Coast, you know, for pretty much your whole lives, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I hate to give the ask the miss most question, but what are you? Now that you've been actually going through the phases of like, you got a gig out there, you're looking for a place, right? We found a place. You found a place. Yeah. So get a job this now. is, this is all like becoming solid and real, like mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe a few months ago when you're like, Oh, I'm going to miss this. What are you really looking at that you're going to be missing most from leaving New York? I mean, aside from the, aside from the obvious of like my people, which I wish I could put them all on a giant bus and haul them out, out there. Um, I think I, I'm going to miss um, the convenience of it. And I put myself in Astoria when I first got to the city because it's like you can walk to everything. You can walk to your your choice of like hundreds of restaurants and um, and coffee shops. And I, I like that I I get to be in control of because I don't have a car here. So it's just like wherever I want to take my body. I can walk there faster. You know, I can, I can route like, is the train better or should I take a cab or should I walk? And I feel like there's much more control and I love walking and I love the finding things that I didn't know were there as I walk. And that's something that I, I, I'm already pre-missing because in California, you can't, if you're driving, you can't notice all of the little things along the way. You ha- when you get in the car, you have to know where you're going ahead of time and get there. Whereas in New York, you can stumble upon things much more easily. That's true. Mm. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a good answer, I think. Oh, thanks. You're very welcome. What about you? Uh, I think what she said. Um, Is there anything that you guys have been surprised at? Like, oh, I am going to miss this. I never thought about this, but I am going to miss this. Um, Perhaps something that's not as uh, as sort of friendly and, and, uh, and charming as like stumbling upon like, oh, a new you know, coffee shop or something like that. But something that usually uh, people are like, oh, this is fucking annoying. The com- I think this. the camaraderie that comes with having to ride the subway. Yeah. Like people, you know, when, when everybody is, everybody is trapped together, that turns into a joint communal experience living in New York. I think in LA, it's much harder to find a communal experience because people are so isolated from each other. But I, you talk, I'm talking too much. Um, well, no, at that, the glances you get when you see something stupid with somebody else who you don't know, or, uh, you know, that there's always deep down, everybody wants, everybody else, everybody fucking hates existing here for some reason there on the outside. But like the other day I got, I got, uh, backed into three times by the same car and I got out of my car and I yelled at the lady that you hit me three fucking times. And then I was walking down the street and I just, because now my job has gotten so outlandish that I'm talking to myself while wearing too many layers. I so I, I look I like a homeless man. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm doing that down the street. I'm in a bodega and I'm just trying to like, I'm getting like water and a Tylenol because my head hurts. And, you know, this woman I passed who saw me talking to myself, uh, she walks in and asks the person if they have jumper cables, which I have. So I, I try to help her jumpstart her car. But, I mean, I'm using myself as an example. But the crazy person on the corner could be anyone. It could be anyone in New York because the city turns anyone into a fucking bag person. In the, in the worst or best possible circumstances. That's what I'm saying. It's like we all like. It's like the Oscar Wilde quote. We're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. Yeah. You know, like you. You know, that, that crazy person that I saw crossing the street was actually just Todd Barry on laundry day. Exactly. Yeah, like, we're all, we're all garbage people together. You're absolutely right. And it, that's what I'm going to miss the most. I'm going to miss the people around everything. Like that there is so much people. I'm not going to miss the tourists in Midtown. Quite frankly, they can go back to wherever they came from. <laughs> uh, or maybe take a, t- a class on tipping. Um, or walking. Or walking. I am going to miss, I'm going to miss... I'm going to miss the anger and the self-satisfied uh, yeah. feeling I get 
not being a fucking tourist. I know. I know. There's a real self-satisfaction of I'm walking down the street and I know how to dart. Like I'm a little person and yeah, that you, actually you really it. helps me here because I can dart through the crowds and, and I can, and I can sigh exasperatedly as I shoot like a bullet out of a gun past slow walkers. That just feels really good. Yeah. But, yeah. but, I'm, but that's also cause I know what I'm doing and I know which end is up and in LA I don't. So I'm going to be the tourist and I'm going to have to eat everything, yep. you know, that I've, it, go, it comes. It all comes back. It does all come back. Every all the contempt that we have, it's, it's, it's going to come, come back, back on us. And get us. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily for you, there are never any tourists in LA. Nobody visits that place ever. No, except <laughs> no when I go to the Grove. Does. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, going off of that, so you were you're kind of getting into it. Like, what are the things that you're like good riddance to? Like, great. Like, this is done. I'm so happy that this is done, and I'm not. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna experience this when I come back. But that's fine. Filthy. Filthy, filthy public restrooms, especially yeah. in Starbucks. Oh, God, yeah. I'm going to miss, I'm not going to fucking miss the people in coffee shops, the better than you New York people in the coffee shops. You're going to find Still a lot of those in, in Silver Lake. It's a different type of thing <laughs> in Silver Lake. It's a, I've, I've noticed it's a little different in Silver Lake. Because, because yeah, people are happier there. People, are bre- people have no time for you anyway, but at least they're breathing through it. Here, I feel like you make one wrong move. You're just on the you're in the upside down of social interaction. Yes, exactly. Because no one has any space in their thoughts. All our brains are bricked by the city. Yeah. That we can't like Tetris. No one can Tetris connect. brain. Yeah. Like I was working. Uh, I was getting coffee just an hour ago or two hours ago over across the street. And I was just coming up. Not Millhouse. Uh, <laughs> just trying to get my goddamn coffee because I just wasn't following the really uh, hip brainwaves of... You have to catch on really, 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 really quick to everything yeah. in New York. And I, I mean... I'm tired. I, I'm tired, but on the other hand, I'm simultaneously scared I'm going to lose my edge. I'm scared I'm going to get soft. And I think a lot of people do when they go to they LA. Do, they you do, know, their blood we're... thins out and they get kind of soft. But like, I think that part of what, what makes our comedy desirable is the quickness is the rapid fire comebacks. And if I, I might just turn into a puddle on Venice beach, you know? No, but you're, you, you were made, you were engineered for New York of a different time. And I think that that's going to translate very beautifully in, in LA because you're a very specific type. So I, I don't think you have to worry about your edge. I honestly, what is a, what is a particular, this is going to be a little specific. What is a particular dish? What is a food that oh. is served at a place? Oh, my mom's so chicken cutlet. No, no, no. Oh. Well, okay, that's very nice. I'm talking yeah. about at a restaurant, though, that someone someone in New York can go and get. Like, the Selka's Selka. chicken cutlet. The Selka. Oh, the my Selka's God. chicken cutlet, right? Yeah. A few blocks away. Yeah, and um, Sarge's Super Soup, which has, it's chicken, it's like a, a classic matzo ball soup, but it's got a big matzo ball in it, and the noodles, the fine the noodles, and the kreplach, oh, which is like... Um, like a, a Jewish dumpling, essentially, yeah. and uh, real, real water boiled bagels. Oh yeah, that you can pretty much the best ones to be found are at are in Queens. Yeah, and pizza. Um, yeah, the pizza. I mean, pizza. Well, we there's a place in Highland Park called Town Pizza that has pretty it's pretty, pretty good, pizza. good pizza. Um, but also Chinese food. Oh my god! From where specifics? Give us specifics. Oh. Well, Charlie Mom, but it's well, Charlie dead. Mom is closed. Yeah, they closed. So it. there's a place called um, uh, Cottage, the Cottage, which is on Irving Place and Fifteenth or Sixteenth, and you can do a build your own dish there, where you choose uh, what vegetables you want in there, and what sauce, and what protein, and their black bean sauce is the best, and I definitely crave that. And um, did we go there? We went there. We did go there. Yeah, it was great. Um, there are so I mean. There's a place called Main Noodle House. Most of the things I'm going to miss are Chinese food. Main yeah. Noodle House on 6th Avenue uh, between 37th and 38th. Um, and they have an excellent um, pan-fried noodles dish. Mm-hmm. I eat noodles here pretty much every day, and I know that's going to go away. Yeah. That, that's, there's a good amount of Asian people over on that coast. Yeah. yeah it's, but there's less Chinese food. There's a lot of uh, ramen out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of pho. A I lot of it's pho. Different. Yeah. But there's not, you don't have your standard, like, cheap but still delicious Chinese takeout. Yeah. I'm going to miss my haunts the most. Like, the place, well, also the places that closed. I feel like I've stood at, at, in front of the, the burning embers of my... You know, Empire. 
Yeah, no, of like, not my empire, but like, you know, Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew, you know, just, I'm so tired of this shit. Uh, like, when, Fa 32. That oh, was my yeah. favorite place to take my friends. This a 24-hour place in, in Koreatown. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be fun there, but this place specific was important to me because I took all of my friends and all my new friends and everyone was That's initiated. That's where you taught me to eat pho. Yeah, and everyone was initiated into that gang because I took them there and we had a good time and then they closed it and they turned into a fucking curry place and those guys don't even pay attention. Fuck you guys. I mean, it's the, the, the and we haven't even discussed the diners. Okay, yeah. 24-hour diners are a major part of my life. And I feel like it, it's like a sunshine that's always beaming from yeah. some corners all over the city where you could just, if you Michaels. walk, yeah, you can walk 10, 10 minutes pretty much anywhere in any direction and you're going to hit a 24 hour diner yeah. in LA. Shit closes early, man. People, I miss the nightlife. Yeah. People go, LA is the city that sleeps. It's definitely, <laughs> it sleeps hard. Um, and then it wakes up and does yoga and, to the sunrise. And goes hiking. Yeah. yeah and goes hiking. But yeah, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss it's didn't not realizing it's 4 a.m. and we can still get food, and then we do. Yeah. And it's that's great. I'm gonna miss that. I'm gonna miss beeping at people and using my horn as if it was my an extension of my voice and giving the finger. Yeah, they don't do that in and LA. Just fucking yelling at cab drivers and cursing at. I'm gonna miss the virulent anger that boils from every driver and that it. Just listen to yourself right now, though. But no, I'm going to miss it because if we can see, if we saw each other on the street, it wouldn't even be like that. And also in L.A., I can't do that anymore. I have to calm down. But you will naturally. I I know I will. I I know I will. But it's like I'm going to miss the New York stuff that I could do, get away with. Like (laughs) I'm going to miss ducking around a corner to smoke out of my one hitter because I might get caught. I'm going to miss the, the, the covertness of that. Well, but see, it's funny because I am the opposite of covert about that kind of thing. And, and that's still, yeah, I still get away with it because there are so many people that what I'm doing, like I, I can just get away with it or, or I can, I can, we were saying the other day when we were talking really loudly or cursing or something as we were walking down the street and nobody blinks an eye. If you seem crazy in New York, because there are so many people, whereas in LA, if you're walking anywhere, even if for like one block, you're just so exposed, yeah. you know, or, you know, I take pictures of like random things in New York, um, like graffiti or, um, uh, bumper stickers feet. or feathers at my feet. And in LA, every picture that I take, like people are going to be, if there's anyone else on the street, they're going to see me doing it. Like I, I was at this, uh, I was in Silver Lake, um, and there was a coffee shop that was kind of behind some shrubbery. And so I was on the sidewalk side of it. Uh, and I saw like amongst the shrubbery, there were some of my, my favorite flowers, which is lantana. They are like tiny little bursts and they, they come in all different colors. But this was like the red, orange, yellow spectrum lantana, which is my favorite, favorite. And they were amid, amidst the shrubbery in this coffee shop. And so I, I took out my camera and I was like getting ready to take a picture of it. And then there, there was this man who happened to be sitting like in the cafe, in the patio of the cafe on the other side of the shrubbery, giving me a weird look like lady, what the, what the hell are you doing? You know? And I was like, Oh, I can't. That man was Bono. Um, (laughs) I just, you can't be incognito in LA. If you're out of your car, like you are exposed to the elements. People see you. And in New York, you can be anonymous so much more easily. That is true. So I think that this, we're going to, we're going to start wrapping it up here. I got one more question, but I think what the beauty of this episode is going to have is it's going to have, it's going to be this amazing timestamp of like, you guys are casting a lot of aspersions of like, this is what New York is. And this is what LA is right. Coming back to this and saying like, okay, this is what we thought LA was heading out there. And now that we're like tried and true veterans out there, this is actually what it is. And it could be, you've got fucking right about everything. It could absolutely be that. But I think this is going to be a fun thing for you guys to come back and listen to and say like, Oh, you know how naive we were about this or like, Oh, we were spot on about that. Yeah. But here's going to be my last question. And it's, for both of you to have your own individual answers or maybe a shared one. When you guys are sitting outside and it's sunny and it's very warm, you know, and it's just twilight and the stars are out and you don't have any gigs the next day or anything to worry about. You're just relaxing, you know, you've had a drink, you've smoked a little bit or whatever. And you're thinking about home. 
what is the memory or the moment that you are going to be thinking of? Take, you can take a second or two or whatever to think about that. My dog. But like a specific memory, you know, like what, like it, it was this time that me and my dog were doing this, you know, like playing her. She has like three different beds that she doesn't know how to sleep in. Um, <laughs> she sits on one, she rolls in another and then she hides in another. But like there's this one bed that doesn't have a top and she'll get in there and she'll roll around and try and expose her belly for me to tickle it. And if I don't tickle it, she starts to smack me. She like hits me like, hey, tickle me, tickle me. And I, yeah, I'm going to miss that. I miss my dog. Sorry to sandbag you with such a, an emotionally heavy question, but no, it's do you okay. have something, Lisa? Of course. And I, I actually already am nostalgic for this, even though I still live in the city. But um, my friend Nora, for a little while, lived in this apartment in Sunnyside, in Sunnyside Gardens. Um, and there was a, a porch that... My friend Caitlin, who also lived there, it was her. It's her apartment. Her dad built this porch on the side of it, and there were um, there was one summer when we spent a good deal of time out there. Uh, we were both serving tables, and so we had a lot of free time, you know, during the day, and we would go out there um, with our laptops and a joint. And there were some plants on the porch, and the, there were some really amazing trees in that neighborhood. One big tree right next to the porch, and I just have a lot of good memories of having our, our coffee and our joint and just sitting out there and feeling like we were still on that side of time when we had the whole future in front of us. And um, it was really like some of the best times of my life. And even though Nora doesn't even live in that apartment anymore. Um, it's a good apartment though. It was a good apartment that I, I have felt in the past year, especially making this decision to go out to L.A., which feels like a very grown-up decision to make, um, that I'm not really on that side anymore of time, that I've I've crossed over this threshold. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I'm not to say that every decision I make is going to have permanent consequences, but uh, I felt like that was a more frivolous, free time. Yeah. Fantasizing with Langston about us being roommates or having time with your friends. I think, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the feeling of being, of having enough time with your friends that you can kill time. Yeah. And you think about time in, ahead of you and now knowing that there's not really that much. We'll left. have those moments though. Sure. You know, we're going to have them out there. You know, we have some friends who already left New York to go to LA who are going to be living pretty close by and we're going to have, we're going to kill some time with other people now. Yeah, it's a different type of killing time. I think when, like, maybe two years ago, it was it was a little different. It was planning these things that weren't going to come to pass, but they were nice to. Oh, comedians think about. will always be planning things that aren't going to come to pass. <laughs> That's a lifelong yeah habit. Well, but I've we've, I've definitely done the work of convincing a lot of my friends to come out here and join me again. And we're, I mean, listen. Listeners, uh, the podcast will continue. We we have an um, we have somebody, uh, our friend Veronica, who's going to help us record it out there. That's and right, and she's here today. Let's bring her out. Come on, Veronica. Oh, oh. sorry, fake out. She's oh, not here. Man. She's already in Los Angeles. But uh, but Kent will remain our producer, and uh, we'll, we're going to come back every few months and and record some sessions with Kent. Yeah, maybe even so. do some Skype uh, <laughs> sessions with Kent. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's not going to be an end to this. Yeah, this is not. This is not a goodbye. This is like a. This is like a mid-season break. Exactly. Type thing. We're yeah. just expanding our tentacles. That's right. Yeah. Um, before but, you close this. Oh boy. I have a present for Phil. What? Oh, I've already cried like twice this episode. And um, it's actually more of a present for both of us because obviously we're going to live <laughs> in the same place. But um, it's not from my house. It's a. It's a thing that I bought. So. Okay. I like this paper. You don't. Ha you can rip it. It's okay. I don't want to. Just rip it. Fine. Oh, this is great. So, uh, let me remember the name of the artist who did this. Um, this is this is so cool. The artist is called uh, the Secret Life of Toys. 
and um, he takes uh, toys like little action figures or whatnot and poses them uh, in various in various environments. Um, so it looks like a miniature version of the real thing. So this is a picture of Legos of C-3PO and R2-D2 uh, having just landed in the desert. And it's just these two tiny toys in a giant expanse of sand and sky. And that's... Thank you. That's us, Phil. Wait, which one's... <laughs> which one's which? Oh, that should be clear. Are you 3PO? No! I'm R2. What? I don't want to be... Th- oh, fine. Okay, listen. Well, the real thing is, like, I'm BB-8 <laughs> and you're K2SO, but this is, like, the classic, the yeah. original and best. No, this is beautiful. Did Ken see it? I, I did. I got pictures of it. I think that's wonderful. Lissa, I'm going to hand the reins back to you to close us out here. Oh, well, thank you for interviewing us, Ken. You're this very was a welcome. treat. I like it. I liked yeah, it a lot. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Yeah. Oh man. Well guys, uh we're not we're not going anywhere. We're still gonna be on your airwaves. Um you know. Yeah. Uh keep track keep keep track of us. And uh Instagram, um uh, Twitter. <laughs> you lost uh, all your Facebook. All your I words. lost all my marbles. I'm sorry I got I was I was defensive in the beginning. No, it's okay. Our next live show is March 24th uh, at the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown Comics on Sunset in L.A. And otherwise, we will still come to you weekly uh, interviewing people about their adolescent stories and uh, treasure, you know, treasure what got you here. Yep. As always, I'm Paul. And we're from Juicy Reviews. We have a podcast where we like to talk and review movies, maybe bring on a wacky character from that movie, and always play some games. We like some games. I actually brought a clip, Paul. Wait, you brought a clip? I brought a clip. Can I listen? Yeah. I look mad young, right? Yeah, yeah. you look young in the movie, and... Uh, I hooked up with a bunch of the young chicks at the movie. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not illegal if you're a police officer. And, and, I believe that, And this yeah. is something I wanted to bring up since you're here. Sure. Tell us about all the hookups on set. Oh, my God. Who's on, hooking up with who? Yeah. So, all right. So, like, there's, like, these, like, Asian girls in the movie. Right. They play, I, the twins, right? I triple kissed them. Okay, oh, a little triple kiss. Triple that way kissed. you didn't get confused if it was Rachel or Rebecca. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, oh, whatever, and I triple kissed them. Was and was that offset or on camera, or and they got cut out maybe? Or oh, uh, I didn't do it on camera for sure. Okay. I would never because I, you know, what I mean, that's I could get in a lot of trouble for that. They, I don't, I don't know how old they are. I could never tell with them. But uh, who else? Let me see. Cecily, the girl. Yeah, I chalked. I, I chalked her. You chalked her. What? <laughs> I chalked what is, her. What is chalking? That's when you kind of forcibly kiss someone. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!